Hi, everyone, and welcome back to RPG R&D. I am one of your hosts, Jess Geyer. I am one half of Wannabe Games, and I make role-playing games. And I'm here with my co-host, Craig Campbell. Hi, Craig. Hi, Jess. I'm Craig, um, and I'm the owner of Nerdburger Games. I also make role-playing games. Um, and we are here with our guest today. Uh, Chris, hi, who are you? Hello, You've I'm been on before. <laughs> hi, who hi. are you? <laughs> uh, I'm uh, Chris Chalice, and I did some work for Pendlehaven Press writing Vanaguard and Scythe and Sword. Uh, I'm currently working on my own projects, such as uh, Brighthammer solo game uh, called Near Hollow Gods. And um, I've also did a splat book for Troika called Orbo Boros, both of it, which you can see on itch, an RPG drive through. I love Troika. I wish Troika, I mean, I feel like Troika has talked a lot about in certain mm-hmm. circles, but I feel like it should be talked about more. <laughs> I was surprised. It uses um, basically the old fight, fighting fantasy system, which I was very familiar with. So I kind of like, for my Orboboros game, I tweaked it to run sort of a Legend of Zelda-esque like game that uses like orbs instead of hit points and mana points. Yeah, it, it's 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 such a I don't know. I guess weird is a really good way. Bizarre, <laughs> <laughs> and so many people design for it. So many people. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It is fun. Uh, Craig, what are we talking about today? But I don't want to delay on getting into this topic because I know what it is. And it's... Uh, today we're talking about organizing your GM crap. Whee! <laughs> um, and yeah. as broad of a, of a statement uh, or category that is, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about mm-hmm. like outside of the game itself, just getting your act together and getting all of your, like we're, we'll keep the GM crap. That could be physical stuff. It could be, you know, more mental and like stuff that's like in note, notes and notepads and adventure writing and all that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, world world building stuff like how do you organize um, everything for mm. being a GM and and we're not going to necessarily cover all of it and there's plenty of other ways to do beyond anything we're going to talk about I'm sure but let's just throw a bunch of ideas out there that people may not have thought to use uh, as a quick uh, note when I first started GMing I used to GM GURPS and that involves a lot of heavy heavy books so back in the 90s, uh, I had like a tome of like, of like uh, volumes in my backpack. It kept me healthy, but it, it was hard to lug around. I, I'm so glad we have digital options these days. Oh, you don't want a collapsible dolly to take with you? <laughs> oh, man. It was like I had so many books that I'd open it and they were like, they were like university sized textbooks of RPGs. Sure. Or a steel fr- steel frame camping backpack, you yeah. know, like the really good one, the kind that has the belt around the bottom too, so it distributes all the weight. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I used to. I remember the days. I remember the days of lugging four and five and six and eight and ten books if you were GMing at somebody else's place and hauling mm-hmm. all that crud with you. Yeah, that's why whoever was the GM was usually the person who had all the books, and that was the yeah. person's house you went to, so no one had to bring them all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, that's what I still do. Uh, I, 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 for one, I'm also grateful for the digital option, but there is something to be said for the organizational factor of having a book that you can physically bookmark and, mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, yeah. 
And, and a book is a, is a great tool. I say very sarcastically to shove all your GM papers in. It's a great <laughs> organizational tool in and of itself. Uh, my personal method of organization is that along with um, random uh, crown Royale bags of dice mm. <laughs> and um, a, a carefree attitude. The people I've, I've met so many people who have like, they have their stuff together. They've been mm. playing for a long time. They have like little plastic cases full of dice yeah oh man i they're like unicorns to me they're elves i'm like how do you do this you're you're amazing you're fantastic here's my backpack pit (laughs) um yeah like just to to hit on the book thing for just a second um something that i saw uh uh uh, just a little while back i was at a convention uh with and i was accompanied by my friend um you might know her on twitter little red dot she was there with me and she was running demos of the games kind of on the side table when people wanted to see how the game played. And I got a look at her capers book, which I am proud to say and happy to say is dinged up and beat up because she uses it a lot, which is always a great um, uh, compliment to a game designer to see a book that's seen uh, loving use, but also tons of note, uh, little post-it notes sticking out in different areas and different, you know, sometimes on the top, sometimes on the side, those mean different things to some people. Um, and then also highlighted in different colors in all sorts of different places. And I found myself thinking, I have never once put a highlighter yeah. or an underline into a game book. Why did I not do that sort of thing? Why have I never done that? But anyway, that's, you know, if you don't mind, you know, doing, mm-hmm. if, if you plan to keep the book for a long time, you don't expect you'll ever sell it or anything. You, it's it's yours. Like, yeah, mark it up. Like, you know, I like those those areas that you come back to all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen and, that and as dog well. Dog ear the pages or or put the uh, the post-it notes in there. You know how a post-it note once it's been if, if you put a post-it note on and it's been on for a long time, it peels off differently. It feels different mm-hmm. because it started to kind of meld to the page. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's there's all of that. There's the physical stuff like that, and I think for people who are also hauling physical stuff around, um, I know years ago there were only so many options but i think there's so many more now like if you if you want to really i know people who take care of their minis really nicely Mm -hmm. and love to really be organized to take stuff if they have to take minis somewhere you can get like plastic carrying cases that were designed to hold like screws and nails and nuts and bolts and things like that so they have they have all the tackle tackle boxes boxes, anything that has like little compartments especially if it has clear cover like the Mm -hmm. like the cover is clear so you can see inside and see what's Mm -hmm. there um, I know people that use that sort of stuff to, to haul minis around and they'll, they'll bring along, okay, like these are the minis I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to use. And then I'll have like a smattering of other. Things. I know yeah. people who use rollout maps as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because that's really handy and they can wipe them down. Uh, when, when I GM, uh, what I do GMing like this, uh, personally, I'll occasionally do what my friends call a chow map. Uh, chow, because my last name's Chalice and people just call me chow. And uh, what I do is I say, okay, here's a tower. And then I take a cup on the table and I put it on the table. I say, okay, and this is where you guys are. And then I'll take some dice and put it there. And I'll say, there's this ravine in between. And I'll look around and like, I'll grab like a random bag or something and put it in between. <laughs> and then I kind of like visualize it like that. I could be more professional, but my players kind of expect child master me now. <laughs> hey, whatever helps you figure out what's going on, I guess. Uh that 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 in and itself in in and of itself is a form of organization for a GM is how you're gonna present visually your mm-hmm. 
otherwise what's going on in the game to your players. Um, yeah. I mean, just figuring out like, what are you going to need and, and figuring out where you're going to store it as you're lugging it around, especially for like a convention. Mm -hmm. Cause when I go to conventions, I'm typically just running games and it's a really big deal if you can't find something or like you can't in those kinds of cases, like you can't have that cup. You can smack down in the middle of the table to be yeah. your, your tower. Like you need to be, you need to have it. And, uh, I don't know. That's it's really stressful for me. It's like <laughs> I don't like. I'm always worried. I'm gonna I'm gonna lose something. And I'm not an organized person. Like I think uh, at one point for a Vanguard game I ran, I ended up missing some runes. So I hacked the system on the fly to use some dice, and it actually worked out. But oh, <laughs> it was tricky because like oh no, these are central to my game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you guys talked about the tackle boxes and stuff like that. Like, again, I, I see that all the time, especially in conventions. Um, mm -hmm. so if you have a, an organization or a group that's running games together, there's usually someone who has the tackle box full of stuff, and they have a pack of pencils, and they have a stack of sticky notes, and they're like, here, here, here are some supplies for you. And I'm like, oh, thank thank goodness you, you are my savior forever because I forgot pencils or uh, anything like that. Uh, and, and I, I want to be that backups. Person. Yeah. And backups and more than one of things. Yeah. Like two stacks of, you know, two, two sticky note ta uh, stacks, um, multiple pens of the, of whatever colors you're going to use. Mm -hmm. Like, because uh, you never know when you're going to suddenly, Oh, like I, I'm down to two sticky notes or I'm down to like, my pen is almost dead. Um, always like have a little more, like what, what I usually did when I needed to keep, take stuff to games take stuff to another place to game or to a convention or whatever was I would look at what my home setup was where I'm like my, the chair that I sat in where I was GMing oftentimes had like the stuff that I would use to GM was like kept right there. I have like a, in a little cigar box or a little, some other little container or something. Um, and like, like, look at what, what's there. What do you always use and make sure you have like two of everything of that because all that little stuff, it takes up so little room mm -hmm. in like the side pockets and, you know, like the little extra pockets and things on, on a messenger bag or however you're hauling stuff around. Like it's, it's worth having a little extra in there. Just, you know, okay. So you added six ounces, you know, to the weight of the bag, big deal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like just, you'll have that stuff in there and then you can replace when you, um, when you get like halfway out. I mean, it's oh. worth investing in a good backpack mm -hmm. too. Oh, yeah. Again, I'm 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 thinking about my conventions too. Like if you have a shoulder bag that you mm -hmm. are going to have some pain by the end of that convention. Oh yeah, ouch. Yeah. Unless you're good, unless that. you're good about you can I I've gotten good about alternating the shoulders too. It, it mm -hmm. takes some getting used to because going like most people like have a shoulder they favor because that's the shoulder that, mm -hmm. that feels right carrying the bag and sometimes putting the bag on the other shoulder feels weird. Like you feel like it's gonna slip off all the time. You're really self-conscious about it. But, I guess that's true. Even if you have a two strap, or maybe you want to look real cool and you do a one strap thing, and, and <laughs> yeah, I make had sure a, you get the other one on. <laughs> I think I had a groove in my shoulder. <laughs> uh, actually, one thing that I found also very very handy, I found that Staples small whiteboards mm. that um, are portable and they're they're small enough that you could fit enough for all your players at the table in your bag. And it's great for fate games, but I guess any other game, like they need to write notes, you can hand them out, they can wipe them off and they can like add their own stuff. Yeah. They're, they're really, really handy. 
that's I've I mean I've run games for people too that do that with their character sheets. They laminate their character mm-hmm. sheets and then get wet or dry eraser markers to write on too. Um, they end up being really smudged and stuff. You have to actually wash them off yeah. by the end of the like day. But yeah, I I love that the reusable stuff. And then you don't have to carry stacks and stacks and stacks of stuff. You can just carry the the stuff that you need and replenish it when it like when your markers run out of ink. One other thing too, I thinking of as well because i've seen this as at conventions depending on the system you're running you have to determine if you need pre-gens or not and Mm -hmm. a big bit of advice i would give is if it takes more than say five to ten minutes to make a character bring pre-gens don't try to may have like half the session be people making characters unless your whole thing is just a make character session i would love it just a make character session (laughs) that'd be cool and... I love making characters. <laughs> That'll be a fun workshop for a convention. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> well, like, say say you want to do an Amber game. Uh, you could do the... You need two sessions to do it. One session to create the characters, so you set up the family, and then another session to play the game. Wait, is there an Amber role-playing game? Yeah, it's diceless. I have um, to tell my husband this, because he's been talking about one of us for a long nope, time. It, it's an old game. Um, I, I could get into it, but it, it would take up too much of our yeah. time. <laughs> but you can definitely look into it. Uh, they did a updated kind of version of it that does use the Amber setting, but you can still use it called Lords of Gossamer and Shadow, which might also work. And if you're hauling all that stuff around, you've got a lot of loose pieces and everything. I think it's really important to have either a bag that has compartments and pockets mm-hmm. and zippered areas or have some sort of organizational feature that you put in there that has some sort of, you know, logic to it. Um, you know, a bunch of books. Sure, the book, okay, the books is fine. You know, you can tell the difference between them with the spine, but if you've got four folders in there and they're all the same color, yeah. like, it, like it, multicolored folders, um, I, I do that all the time. I, I've got like, I've got these really nice plastic folders that have like inside pockets and then they have... Uh, um, like a, you, you put like binder pages that have pockets in them. So they have like, it's all pocketed. It's just like nothing but pockets, but there's, I've got one in, you know, in different colors. So I have like, here's the blue one that I use for when I'm running, you know, for, for, for the pre-gen characters and adventure stuff for this game at a convention. And here's the red one for the, you mm-hmm. know, for this other game. Um, so that you can find all that stuff quickly and you're not, you know, constantly digging around in your, in your bag to try to find the pieces that you need. And then, uh, you know, when it comes to, again, convention games, like if, if I'm running capers, that's a playing card game. Got to bring cards for everybody. Yeah. Um, can't, can't count on people having cards. And quite frankly, you can't count on people having dice um, for the game too, especially if you're not doing like D&D where it's just like mm-hmm. one of everything kind of dice. If, you, if you're playing a vampire game and people are going to need to be able to roll seven and eight D10s, not everybody's walking around with seven or eight D10s. So you want to have a, you know, a, a pool of 20 D10s you can throw in the middle of the table and people can share. Or the hundreds of d6s you need for shadow run yes and and give thought to how you handle all of that hopefully (laughs) it 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 won't be as much of an issue for too much longer but for those people who are going to conventions still in the next you know several months um i've i've given serious thought to like when i bring stuff for other players to use what am i doing with everybody touching all the same stuff Mm -hmm. and potentially you know passing COVID around the table Mm. um so that's something to keep in mind too. I mean, I even have plans to just bring like the cheapest decks of cards I can find. I'm going to provide my GMs at Gen Con. Here you go. Here's 15 decks of cards. Hmm. 
um, we'll, you know, we'll put in the event that you need that the, the game uses cards. So some people will show up with cards, but here's a, you know, a $1 deck of cards that you can just give to somebody and they can take with them. Um, because like after you, after like three people have handled the deck cards, yeah. um, yeah. if, if COVID is still a little mm, dicey, well, sorry, dicey didn't mean to say that, but you know what I mean? Hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just those are things to keep in mind too. Like, like dice, you can wipe off. You can pick a, hmm. you know, a, 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 like, what do you call a, 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 a like a Lysol wipe? Yeah. Like a Lysol wipe or something. Right. You can wipe those off, but cards you, and like, you can't really do that with cards. So just keep, yeah, keep all of that kind of stuff in mind. And then there's also, you know, outside of the physical stuff that you're organizing, how are you organizing? Like, the ephemeral stuff about being a GM. How are you organized? How do you organize yourself in your documents and, you know, whatever electronic tools or paper and pencil and whatnot that you're using to write? I've story always... building and build adventures and how you keep track of like stuff that's happened in old adventures, you know, like your story notes from past so that you can always, so you can bring the, the cool NPC back so you don't forget about them. That you, the, you know, that NPC that you made up on the fly. There's a lot of organization that can kind of go into that as well. Yeah, I've always found that like having some sort of forum where not only you, but your players can post to has been really helpful for me mm-hmm. to keep track of notes and the things that my players find important. And then the things that I find important when I go back and I look over those notes later. Um, if you are trying to GM and also take notes at the same time, you're going to burn out real fast yeah. and you're going to forget a lot of stuff. You're not going to be a good note taker or a good GM enlist one of the players to do it uh you can even rotate it get different player every week or whatever to take the notes and then you can organize based on maybe overarching campaigns and then within the adventures like okay here's a summary of what happened and here were some of the primary characters uh the notes don't have to be super long or anything they can just be a an outline play-by-play here and then you can take your secret notes like an obsidian portal you can have secret pages for yourself and uh like you can highlight things and go from there uh (laughs) organizing you might also gain insight into what your players or at least one player is finding important based on what they take notes on what do they underline what did they write in you know like in uh capital letters what do they refer to multiple times in one session notes if they bring the same thing up a few times in one session notes and it wasn't something that actually recurred constantly in the game didn't really warrant being brought up again that person might be really attached to that thing mm-hmm. so no maybe bring it back i know a buddy of mine steve what he does is he asks everyone for their character backgrounds first and then he goes okay this is say he's doing a cyberpunk game i have all the character backgrounds and he hasn't he doesn't design the game yet once he has the characters he actually bases his notes off the characters so it basically builds the entire campaign around the character backstories. So they feel part of the world. Uh, I know on my end, when I, when I organize stuff, I just have a sh- like a sheet or a document with like 20 different points on my adventure just to keep everything in. I make sure some of those points link to the characters and some of them are like just general in- adventure info. Then I have another document with all the NPCs and stuff that I might need. And then basically I mesh them together. I run the game very kind of loosely uh so i can adjust the game as it goes along with what the players do and then at the end of it now it's a good idea i think to have players take notes at the end of it what i do is i just go okay what did what what stuck out to me and what do the players seem to like and i write that down in another document and then update everything back at home but 
it's kind of probably based off like my uh, professional career, which is doing uh, software uh, quality assurance. So I very kind of like, I break things into classes, objects, and I put all the notes in those objects. I think a lot of people like learn how to do their organization based on either what they do for their job Mm -hmm. or what they did or didn't do in school. When you were talking, Craig, when you were mentioning like the highlighting within the books, that is a strategy that Mm -hmm. a lot of people use in college. They're going to highlight their textbooks if they're not planning on selling them back like I did. Um, Or if you don't want to, if your book is a sacred thing to you and you don't want to highlight it or mess it up, you can literally take notes on your book, like get a notebook out, write down your important outlines Mm -hmm. for that. You can stick that in your book or you can put that in a special folder that you'll keep with your book and you can bring that out as a cheat sheet. If you want to type it up. If the game doesn't have a rules summary page where they break down how to do different types of checks and things, there's nothing says you can't create that and just slap it into the rules section. I made custom GM screens. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love, I love those kinds of GM screens. They're so, so helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, I... Like, I wish every game had them. I don't necessarily like to use a GM screen and have that in front of me because I'm Mm -hmm. short. Uh, But I I always love to have a cheat sheet for the the things that would be on a GM screen. Like, okay, this is what you roll for. Like for Baker Street, which is a mystery solving Mm -hmm. game, um, having like how many clues you get for a certain Mm -hmm. role, like having that written down so I don't have to, like if I don't remember, I can flip. I don't have to flip open my book and do a whole thing. I can just quickly refer all on one page. Maybe make like game rather than a GM screen, make like a group, like a game plaque with the rules. So everyone sees it mm-hmm. and just kind of put them around. So people are like, oh, this is how we do it. Mm-hmm. That would also be really good. That's a really good idea. Because it, it does. It takes some games have a lot of rules. Some games are mm-hmm. crunchy and like. <sighs> This is maybe a little off topic. I always find the the conversation about it's it's hard to learn how to play a new game because there are so many more rules to remember. And I just think like I don't remember any of the rules. I use the <laughs> I reference back to the book whenever I need to. I I, I figure out mm-hmm. kind of what I'm doing and then I'll reference the rest. And just making sure that you have a good reference p- place so you can do that can I mean it can open you up to a, a few more games that might have some more difficult rules yeah, it's like the, and highlighting it's like the old marble uh, face rip system you need that chart everyone needs a chart at the table so you might as well provide it to everyone on the chart and a, a corollary you know a newfangled technological corollary to the uh the uh custom gm screen is you know if you're a tablet person mm-hmm. put those you know put that two or three page document of just like here's all Here's like one page is like the rule summary. One page is like, okay, here's important things. Like, you know, you know there's important magic items, artifacts, cool, th- you know, information that I've given the, the players so that I remember that they've got access to these things. Here's the coolest stuff, right? Make sure that I remember to include challenges and, and bring, bring things into play that will allow them to use the coolest stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, another page that's like, oh, here's my summary of like, you know, all the important movers and shakers in the kingdom or the city, if that's what you're, you know, you got a game that's heavily political, make sure, you know, you can have little, yeah, rather than having to dig through a 10 page description of the city, you can have like, okay, here's, uh, you know, here's the, here's the mayor, here's the person who runs the bar that everybody hangs around at, here's, uh, you know, 
some of the NPCs that they've run into. Here's a couple of the villains. Here's a couple of the, mm. the plot hook characters that they're always that you're always dangling out there, um, and just the, like you know one or two lines or a couple of bullet points or whatever on those to kind of remind yourself so that you don't have to go digging through. And that goes for your own personal, um, you know, the stuff that you've invented, but also the stuff that's uh, like in the in the in the book. You, like there's nothing says you can't repeat that stuff in an organizational manner that is best for you. Because one of the things that we run into as game designers um, is presenting the information in the book to be a rules reference, mm -hmm. a prose read that's ent entertaining, um, a teaching manual, um, and like two or three other things. Like every game book is like fills all these roles and you can't do all of those perfectly. And people will do mm -hmm. things, designers will, writers will do things differently. And it may not be the best way for you to keep track of the information. So you know, reorganize it in, in a page or two or on, you know, in a document that you keep on a tablet. That Yeah, that's definitely a good idea. One thing I want to do too is I'm going to start bringing um, with me, I did this for Near Hollow Gods. I created a solo, gener a solo GMing generator. But whenever I go to games, I'm going to bring the mythic role-playing generator because while I'm not running the game GMless, if I get stuck, it can give me some neat ideas. I find them as really handy tools. I've been getting a lot into Iron Sworn, for instance, and those kind of oracles just on the fly can make take the game in a direction, especially with a game you know really well, that you don't expect to make it even more enjoyable for the GM. Mm -hmm. And having just other resources too, you can have like, you can have your list of names. You can yeah, have names. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing, having those things prepared ahead of time. Um, I like also, like with my NPCs, I like to have character motivations behind mm -hmm. them. Um, so making sure that those are attached in some way to the character, whatever form of dossier I have for my NPC, whether that's digital or a sticky note on the back of a standee. Um, I need to like remember what that is, and that helps me to just like oh yeah, this is character. Oh, per I, don't, I don't remember this guy because he hasn't shown up for a couple of games, uh, but on the back of my my standee, it says that he's annoyed at George, character George. George. <laughs> and, and then I can remember that from my role play. That's my biggest, my biggest thing as a GM is like remembering kind of what was happening and why, if it's mm. been a while. Um, yeah. It, I mean, just like, just little helpful notes to 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 jog my memory. It's interesting too because I've run some really really memorable games that I I, lo I loved, but my players will remember different parts of it that I've yeah. forgotten. I'll be like, "Oh wow, I didn't know I did that." I'm glad yeah. it worked out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like you go on autopilot and like you you're driving and then suddenly you're at your destination. Like, how'd I get here? And then they're like, oh, yeah, you were great. And then you did donuts in the parking lot. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had that moment so many times mm -hmm. as a GM. <laughs> um, what about our, are we ready for our game design topic? Sure, why not? Sure. It's, it's, an easy, it's an easy segue. Yeah. What are, what are we doing for our, for our game design topic, Crick? Organizing your game design crap. <laughs> um, all of the stuff oh. we talked about for GMing, but from the designer point of view, like yeah. how do you kind of 
organize everything that you're doing with design. Now, this is going to probably get much more into the non-physical mm-hmm. stuff because it's mostly going to be about like how you're um, how you're writing, how you're um, keeping track of ideas and brainstorming things, um, and how you're um, how you're doing that in different places. Because as we discussed in, uh, in another podcast episode, like the uh, inspiration strikes at the strangest times, often when you're doing something mundane and completely unrelated to design. Like, do you have a method in place to uh, to to jot that idea down? That's not going to end up in the wash in your pocket. Yeah. Um, which is uh, when I graduated away from having like a physical notepad that I kind of had with me, like I would jot, I would write stuff down on paper. And I was like, I'll put this in my pocket. Well, I stopped doing that because I put it through the wash a couple of times. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll put this in my wallet. And then I put it in my wallet and I forgot that I put it in my wallet. And I've discovered that it's much better if I email myself. I email myself I too. I do that. I do that a lot. I have uh, the iPhone notes program that puts stuff in. I also find that if you r- actually write it down, it does help you remember later on. Mm-hmm. Like even if you don't review the note again, you just write it down and something happens, at least in my mind, where it's like, I, I can recall it easier later. That works for a lot of people. That is, I mean, everybody's different, of course. Neurodiversity is a thing, but for a lot of people, like, you know, taking it's taking notes in class. Like when you're taught, like, okay, you're being taught something in class and you're taking notes, that's so you can study later. But it also like in that moment, when you're writing it down, you're some of that you are now committing to memory. That's going to actually stick with you long-term. Some of it won't, some of it'll be something that you review to study for and all that. But some of it's stuff that will like, you'll just, your brain will magically, because the brain is a magnificent and wondrous thing. will just magically remember that because you wrote it down. I know. uh, Go ahead. Well, I know um, one thing I do too as with writing down is I always schedule my writing sessions in hour segments because uh, I do an hour every day and then like two hours on Sunday and two hours on Saturday. And I have like two days in the week as a break. But um, usually when I'm writing something, whether it be a novel or a game, when I get to a certain point, I'll pause, I'll go in the bedroom and I'll have a out loud brainstorm session with myself where I come up with all like ideas and things that I want to do. And then once I got that down, I quickly come in and I write down just a few notes. So I remember it for later. And then when my hours done, I take my break and stuff, and then I can come back to it and review the notes. And it helps me sort of like organize my thoughts in a very, very creative dynamic way, but then I can do it in a more organized fashion when I get back to the desk as it were. And Jess was talking about like the whole, when you drive from point A to point B, like I drive into work and back, I never remember the drive because you're doing it by rote. It's one of those things. It's, you know, it's a highway, uh, what's it called? Highway amnesia, where mm-hmm. like, if you're driving someplace that you know, well, you just, you never pay attention to the drive. I talk out loud to myself, organizing things that I need to do in the car mm-hmm. on my way to and from work mm-hmm. nearly every day. Um, it's pretty regular. And um, it's really a side note too, that it just suddenly strikes me too, like the idea of like writing it down or typing it out mm-hmm. as it were. Um, that's one of the reasons that I, and I'm sure other people too, sometimes forget which version of the rule made it into the final yeah. book because I wrote that rule five times and they all sort of have equal weight in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have to remind myself and go look up the rule. I've, I've explained to people, it's like, I don't remember. I've said it at the table. <laughs> I don't remember which version of the rule I ended up deciding to go with so yeah I uh, (laughs) recently had a an issue where I was writing stuff for some lore 
And I had thought that I, I swear I wrote, I wrote this section. I cannot find it anywhere in my Google Docs. <laughs> Done that um, I, I probably, what happened was I probably thought about it really hard. And then <laughs> I thought that I wrote it down and I never did. Um, so uh, <laughs> having a place to make sure, like, instead of me searching through desperately through my Google Docs or my notebooks to try to find out, okay, what did I do with this and where, um, having like a, this is the place, this is the place I keep my notes. This is the folder I'm keeping my notes for this thing. Mm. Everything should be in here unless I diverge from what I'm doing, which I sometimes do. Um, it should be in here. Same thing with a physical notebook. This is my notebook for my game ideas. This is the only place I'm going to write my game ideas because if I write them somewhere else, which I sometimes do, I will, I will lose it. So having a and, dedicated spot to do it is like, mm -hmm. uh, you need it. <laughs> right. And you can also then, it gives you the opportunity to justify to yourself, I thought I wrote that thing down. It's not in my ideas folder where I put everything. So clearly it's not important and I'm not going to worry myself <laughs> over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it's tricky. I've been doing, um, working on a novel called Haunted Blue. And at one point I have all the characters in one document. I have all the places kind of in the same document. And I also made a very, very poor map of the entire area because I'm not a cartographer. But occasionally I'll get to something. I'll be like, I need a town for the scene to happen. And okay, what are my towns again? <laughs> and then I can, there was one point where I like, I can't find a town. Oh, like, wait, I, I, I need, or, I or you fall one. in love with a few of them and you forget, oh, there's a whole rest of the world that I, yeah. I've generated here. Like, I have to do that all the time. Yeah. So having, you know, having an, uh, something, if, if you don't have them all kind of written up yet, but you have ideas for them, just having like, okay, here's like the cool locations that I want to have in the game, mm -hmm. having those just listed somewhere until you get to the point of, of writing them all up so that you can go back and, you know, not have everything take place in the same town or kingdom or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I just accidentally just moved my entire setting into this, you know, one square mile. Um, because I forgot that I have a whole other world I'm planning mm -hmm. to populate. But it can be handy too, putting that stuff down and having those notes because it helps you make the story bigger than, say, your characters. So if you're writing something, I found that now that I've done this, I can write things and I can mention something that else that it's happening outside of the character's control just to remind people there's a bigger world out there. I also like highlighting the things that I'm finding mm. important helps too. Cause if I have like a bunch of stuff written down and I'm just trying to quickly go through my notes, I don't want to have to do a bunch of pages of reading every time I go back yeah. through my notes, you know, so highlighting things and, and, and erasing things that I want to get rid of. Like Craig, you were saying, I don't remember what version of the rule I eventually settled <laughs> down on. Well, if you had erased the old one, maybe you would have remembered or at least struck through like cross through it. Um, and then also taking some time, we talked about this last episode, but always taking time to reflect on what you're doing. Like mm -hmm. you could also, if you want to be super organized, like this is a do as I say, not as I do thing, but like, okay, I just had this work session and then quickly jot down the notes of like, I did this, this, and this, and I decided on this, here's what I'm planning on doing next time. And then, then you can just go look through it at that list later. And then maybe if you need to go back through more of those notes, um, like in more detail, I don't do that. 
Uh, I wish I did. That would also help me with my GMing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like just just documenting like some of the process stuff too can can really help. Mm. That's why I I also love Google Docs because yeah. you can go and you can see the history of what you've been working on and what you added when. So if I'm like if I'm working on something and I know that I did it on Sunday and I can't remember exactly that part that I added on whatever document, I can at least go through the C history and I can see my changes. Oh, if you're doing, um, if you're designing a game uh, and again, I, I, my games are all designed with very small budgets because it's just me right now. Occasionally I will hire an editor, uh, but you can, um, I've looked into, like I usually hire artists for my cover work but if I need more art, there's um, like there's an old book covers uh, public source uh, site out there. And there's also the British Royal Library has a bunch of art from their collection that is essentially public domain. Mm. So I find those are kind of handy when I'm out there. And of course, when I do write it, like I source where it got all the art from, but it can be handy. Oh, that's another thing, like sourcing where you got your stuff, if you are using public domain stuff or because still giving credit to like yeah. for where it is, or if you need to go back and find it later mm -hmm. so you can have the original document. Oh my gosh. Okay. If you're doing layout sidetrack here, mm -hmm. don't, and, and let's say that you're using InDesign, let's say you're using InDesign or another program like that, really anything. Uh, and you just copy paste your file and you copy paste the image in what can happen and what sometimes just automatically happens is you're going to get a lower quality version of mm. that image in there and if all you did was copy paste it then you didn't write it down where you found it or you didn't save it somewhere and, and link it into that document you might not be able to find that image again and you're gonna have to find something else because when you print it mm. off or when you try to export it to a PDF, it's gonna be all digitally and, and weird looking and it's not gonna be the same like quality image. Uh, yeah, it's, I've had that happen to me before and it's very frustrating, like having to go back and like reverse image search and like all this other stuff and I've learned my lesson. Oh, and so, also uh, with layout, cause I'm new to layout, but I've been doing it with, okay, I have full shame Microsoft publisher, but, um, freaking uh page templates or master pages yes. those are so important yeah you need them it will save you so much time that mm -hmm. and also format options and your paragraph options yeah writing down what font you're trying to use that's another one if you don't write down your font and you switch computers or your computer dies and all your fonts go away oh, good, no. luck. good luck forever because you're not going to find that same font again Here's here's a hint. Here's a hint on all of that because if you're using super common fonts that just are never going to get dumped from Word or Google or anything like that, you're probably okay. But if you're using anything that you had to specifically go custom looking for in the first place, or if it's kind of a weird font that's in Word right now, for example, take a I for every one of my projects, I have a folder called fonts, and I put all of the fonts that I hmm. used in the final product in there because I don't know that the next version of Word is going to have um, a particular font that might have been like, oh, there's like this, you know, weird, uh, you know, uh, you know, the Bookman font or, you know, like mm -hmm. there's something that like it was in Word. It was standard in Word for a while, but it's not anymore. They rotated it out because they rotated some other stuff in. Um, yeah, just throw those, you know, throw fonts in there like that. And I, and I, I try to keep track of 
all of that stuff. Like I've got, I finally got around to putting like all of the layout people, artists, editors, and stuff that I've reused mm-hmm. multiple times, and even writers too for uh, for reuse for in one in one file or in, in one document. Here's a list of all the people that have been working on stuff. Here's what they worked on. Here's what their rate was most recently. Um, some mm-hmm. bullet points. If there's people that I've talked to but haven't used yet, you know, like a link to an artist's um, uh, portfolio, a couple of bullet points from an email conversation that I had, so that I can find out where they are. They like a full time artist or a part time. They do it, you know, part time. Like so, so I know how many pieces they could potentially take on as a load, how long it takes them to do like any kind, anything from a conversation. Rates, what their turnaround times tend to be, those types of things. So you have a sense of that stuff because. If you have to go and ask them again, they might not remember that you asked all those questions in the first place, Mm. Um, but it will look better and they will be happier, I think, probably, and maybe even a little impressed if you say, hey, when we talked 18 months ago, you said X, Y, and Z. Um, Is this all still the same or has your situation changed? Have your rates changed? You know, are you... Mm. Are you still working full, you know, on these things part-time? Um, you know, you can, you can ask pointed questions and, and, you know, not have to rehash the same information. Um, helpful for just keeping a, a good working relationship with uh, current and potential mm. collaborators. I'm glad you brought that up because another important thing to keep yourself organized with are all the people that you meet mm. as a game designer or the people whose work you find interesting. Do you two have any tips on... Um, <laughs> Um, on maybe remembering that you met a person before <laughs> instead here's, of embarrassing here's, yourself. Here's, here's my tip. It works every time is when I meet the person for the second time, I tell them, I'm sorry, I meet a lot of people at cons. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm terrible at that stuff. Um, I, I do try to make some record of some things when I can, but so often when it's, yeah, I'm terrible. I I, I need to get better. So I need I'm, to I'm interested if anybody has any suggestions about <laughs> outside of like, you know, yeah, when you just go to a con and you meet this person or that person, or it's like, oh, here's a somebody like, here's somebody that organizes another convention that I might be interested in going to that happened to have a fan table at this convention. And I got there on Sunday when they ran out of cards. Mm. So now I'm just talking to them. It's like, I probably, you know, I should be putting, like I said, I should be emailing myself. Mm-hmm. that's that's the way that I will usually keep track of that kind of stuff which I did actually at this last convention I emailed myself about another local convention that I did not know existed uh, just the emailing yourself thing is I, I do that I have so many emails from myself and sometimes <laughs> you, yeah it's sometimes yeah. it's just like hey remember this thing or sometimes yeah. it's an attachment like it's so useful there there was this one point Links. where I didn't check my email and this really podcast reached out to me and I didn't answer uh, in time, and I should have. And you have my apologies for that. Oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> I was like, whose podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've become, and, and, and emailing yourself all the time also means that you have to kind of become a creature of checking your email yeah. regularly. Um, and not letting something get buried and then accidentally deleted. It's easy to like, if you're somebody who doesn't check your email very often, you email yourself something and then it gets stacked up on up by a bunch of other stuff. And then you go to clear, clean out your email, your inbox. And you're like, Oh, dump this, dump this, dump this. Sometimes you like, you, you run the risk of not even looking at the thing. You just, you mm-hmm. think you know what it is, but you might've put a stupid subject line <laughs> that you, you really need to open that email. Like you just have to become a, a habit you know, that, checking your email regularly and, and, purging it judiciously 
and not just like grabbing a bunch of stuff and start dumping it. Like you really think about like, okay, do I, do I have this recorded anywhere else? Like, especially mm-hmm. if you're emailing yourself all the time, or is this literally something like I thought I needed, cause that happens too. Like I thought I needed to email myself about this. Um, but ultimately, no, I don't actually need this information. I was just being safe at the time. So I can dump this. Oh, and keep track of your play testers. So mm-hmm. you can oh, give them yeah. proper credit because occasionally there's been times where I've had, I played it with several different groups of my friends. I'm like, okay, who, who helped me play test this? Uh. And I'm going to go on the other side of that is if you, um, warning to all my play testers, um, if I, if you agree to play test something and then I send you stuff and then you kind of ghost me and I get to the tail end and I'm asking you for the play test feedback and you say, oh, and then you say, after I've asked you, oh, I'm sorry. Ooh. I, we weren't able to play test. I'm like, okay, one time understood it happens. Um, you, and then, and then I come back to you a little bit later and you do something like that again on like a second time around. That's it for you and play testing. Yeah. Uh, here's, yeah, so it so, uh, makes it, which means I have to make a note somewhere that these are some people that I don't want to ask to play test because they don't communicate. As a side note too, like as a freelancer, I've, I've done some writing for various groups of people. Uh, and one thing that really helps me with them and develop a good professional um, rapport is if someone hires me to write something for them, every week I will send them a summary of what I did. It, it's not like the full thing. I just say, okay, here's how many words are remaining. Here's what I did. Here's what I plan to do next. And uh, I do it just every week, so I'm not spamming them. But the idea is they know where I am in the project and they don't have to get back to me. It's something I took over from the tech world and it's really helped out because that way they know, like anyone I've worked with knows my current status and it also shows I'm reliable. Um, freelancers who work for me, listen to him. I would appreciate that. I know I would. I have sometimes had to wrangle and say, hey, what's going on with the thing? I haven't heard anything at all from you. <laughs> That's, um, that community and I don't, I don't need, I don't need constant reassurance, but like a weekly, like, honestly, yeah. Like a weekly little thing saying, Hey, you know, I wasn't able to get to anything, nothing moved forward because, you know, work blew up on me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know that. And like, and then the next one is like, okay, I, I caught up on where I was going or I, I did this much or, you know, just even just telling me, yeah, like halfway through the assignment, tell me everything's on track. Like you're, mm-hmm. you you do not expect to miss the deadline. Yeah. You should I'd be also, thrilled. I'd be thrilled to just get it, get an email halfway through saying everything's on track for the deadline. All good. Just letting you know. And I'd be like, cool. That's one less thing I have to worry about because game designers, um, we all know that we have lots of things to worry about. (laughs) You can check in always too, with your, with your friend, like making sure that you put down whatever, whatever deadlines you said to somebody Mm -hmm. writing those down and making sure that they're on your calendar, even if they're not your deadline, you should like, as a good project manager, you should do that. Here's, I, I keep saying things like should. <laughs> As a side note, I've also never had a problem uh, where something was delayed because sometimes things I've written have been delayed, but I've never had a problem with the people I've worked with because I warned them ahead, well ahead of time. I said, I, don't be afraid to say I'm behind. It's okay. Just as long as you do it early. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think um, that combined with the fact if you're sending them updates about what mm-hmm. you're doing, will at least give them the comfort knowing like, oh, they haven't just like not, they not haven't, that I'm they always haven't behind, written. but 
<laughs> they haven't written a whole decade's worth of I'm sorry, we're not gonna be publisher. We're publishing it this week or next month. Yeah. <laughs> and and like we've been talking about part of being organized for yourself as the designer, project manager, publisher, et cetera, is making sure that everybody is up to speed. So like we made the comment about like the deadlines, so like I the deadlines in the contract. Mm-hmm. I put the deadline in the body of the email and I bold it. Mm-hmm. And every time I email them, and it's not going to be a lot of emails. It might be like another email halfway through or something like that. And, or if it's playtest feedback, I usually check in with my playtesters halfway through the, the playtest um, uh, period, just saying, hey, if, let me know if there's anything that you need, uh, any more information or anything you need from me. Um, mm-hmm. That's also a prompt to them to contact me, hopefully. If I, things aren't going to be able to happen, because then they then I'm not finding out at the end. Um, and then I include the I put the deadline in there again. Just make sure people know. One of the so things I, don't, I so don't lose track. One of the oh, things I, I liked when you had me play test uh, Secrets of the Vibrant Isle was that you had all the expectations up mm. front with all like you set that out at the beginning because you had your stuff together first, which helped me get my stuff together mm. second. <laughs> If you don't have your stuff together, I can't as a playtester or a freelancer or whoever, whatever kind of contributor I am, I can't have my stuff together. Also, as a side note, I'm usually like I'm like 90% on time. It's just those rare times you are, you know, you're going to be late. Let the people you're working with know as soon as possible. Um, also, yeah, as having freelancers working for you, having you know, putting those expectations out there that can also come in the form of a style guide mm-hmm. for people oh, definitely, or, definitely. or, or at the very least, you know, I, I, now I do this quite a bit usually is I give, give them a template to write to. If there's like a very specific thing, like I've given mm-hmm. Shireen the template for explorations and secret secret, the, the, the two secrets of the vibrant books. So we remember like, this is how everything's formatted. Um, and then also, um, you know, template for, you know, like the city write-ups for papers were like that I gave. And then I gave an example, like here's three encounters. Here's a city. Here's the city that I've already written up. Like do yours like this. Style guides are important. I actually ended up the only time I had a problem with, and it wasn't a problem. We parted on amicable terms. The only time I had a problem was they didn't have a style guide and the way I was writing things didn't quite jive with what they were doing. So we parted like amicably professionally on good terms, but if there was a style guide, it would have been so much easier. A style guide is really important um, for really anything, whether that's like the spelling of something, whether it's like, do you want to use Oxford commas or not? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, how should you title things? Um, I I, I, I need to be better about some of that too, because I have a tendency to capitalize certain terms in the game book because that's one of the great joys of being a game designer is deciding what what nouns what words that are normally not capitalized are going to be capitalized because you've decided they should be because they're important in some Mm -hmm. way then you have to be consistent with it (laughs) yeah you have to be consistent with it the editor needs to know that it's going to happen and the writer anybody writing for you needs to know that or else you're going to be having to go through and and fix it all before it goes you know to the editor I've i've done that and I've you're probably going to have to do it for myself. <laughs> you're probably going to have to fix a few anyway, because they're going to miss a few, just like you're going to miss a few of your own. And then that's why you've got an editor to do the, the triple check. But um, it would be useful to have all of there, like, or even just like broad categories and say, okay, you know, every, every, you know, every skill name and every, tr- every ability score gets capitalized. Yeah. Just make sure people realize that. And when it's, and when it's, when the word strength is used to refer to just like the generic strength of a thing, like the strength of the odor, 
yeah know, that, that strength doesn't get capitalized because it's not no. character's strength um you know just like being able to dip, you know you got to keep track of that because be careful i once had a writer who went through and clearly did a uh find and replace yeah that is with, with select all yeah. and and hit like three ver three words <laughs> that were used in a non-game term version <laughs> and they got they got capitalized which was a little confusing when you read it why the is editor this? pointed it out yeah, you find and replace, and then suddenly you got a bunch of bu buttons, and they're all find and re find and replace allows it helps you shortcut the typing. It should not allow you to sh you shouldn't use it to shortcut the review. Mm -hmm. Find and replace. I don't care how long your document is, go one at a time because you're mm -hmm. gonna find two or three instances where you don't, or you misspelled something so horribly. Find and replace doesn't <laughs> doesn't even find it. Yeah, well, uh, like, I mean, I'm writing Secrets of the Vibrant Sea right now, and I refer to the sea generically, mm -hmm. small s, lowercase s, but Secrets of the Vibrant Sea, the name of the game, and the Vibrant Sea, the name of the actual ocean that is around this island, capitalized. Yeah, that's and like, also, C appears in the middle of some words, and you might have something mm -hmm. weird going on with that. Too. Ah, the wizard. Yeah. <laughs> the I, great the wizard debacle. I, I got the I got that <laughs> problem with like haunted blue because it the world's called the blue capital B but obviously I don't want to capitalize all blues in my. Story. Are we all familiar with this? Just a story for the people out there who may not know. Are we all mm. familiar with the wizard debacle? The, no. the, the wizard debacle. I was really the wizard. <laughs> Back in uh, an earlier version of D and D, there was a rules or, or no, it was a magic item compendium that was being put out um, that uh, was being worked on in conjunction, I think, well, it was magic item compendium or was the magic items in a book. But the point is that D&D R&D decided to change from saying, from calling the class mage and calling them wizard. Huh. So they went through and changed every instance of mage into wizard. And they didn't catch it for this book or portion of a book. I don't remember for sure which one it was. Um, and somebody at the at the at the eleventh hour sat down and said, "Oh, we'll do a find and replace on mage." And so every instance of damage, oh no, become you deal two d six points of the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> the entire mean. book. Oh god, the entire book didn't <laughs> have the word damage in it. It said the wizard. That beats like, White Wolf's page so XX. That is so funny. That is so funny to me. And that it went to a... print, and it went to print, and thousands and thousands and thousands of books were printed. Oh, as a side note, if you ever read <laughs> Orboboros, you'll see that damage is written as dimage. This is on purpose because your orb dims. So when you take damage, your orb dims. That was on purpose. I didn't make a mistake. I like that. That's that's funny. That's that's a very clever pun that you've done. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, that's like really good. Like everyone should hear that story and then not be so upset yeah. about the random typo they had. On oh yeah, thing. absolutely. <laughs> I know that story, which is why I don't give two toots if there's three typos in my book. And I don't care if somebody, if somebody points it out, sure, I can fix it and make the PDF version correct. But I may not deal with it in the book, you know, in the, the print on demand book version, because that requires like updating the file, uploading it, waiting for it to clear, um, mm -hmm. uh, and then getting a proof. Like my book can suddenly become unavailable for two weeks for one typo. Mm. No. Yeah, it's not. That's that's not worth worrying about, especially <laughs> in this day. Like you can at least update your PDF and call it good. I 
I mean, if, if it would literally cause the game to become unplayable, mm-hmm. then, okay, yeah, I'll take the book off, off the market for two weeks to, to fix that if it's going to make the game like really wrong. But I also trust the readers to be like, oh, there's a typo. And or, or that or typo to, becomes... Or to not even notice it because sometimes you just roll right over because the sentence all makes sense. Yeah. And, oh, there was a letter missing. No, then you're going to get that one person who gets online <laughs> and writes through a review. I found that you've used the wrong version of two. That, <laughs> this shows that you have you are unfit to be a game designer. Clearly. You did a typo. Clearly, yeah. the, this product didn't go through editing enough. Be, because I do QA, uh, I occasionally troll my friends. <laughs> I made a one thread about how uh, the... The prices in DD didn't make sense, and you can make off like a king by selling shovels. And all my friends thought I was serious. <laughs> oh, um, in third edition DD, um, we came up with the uh our retirement plan. Um, when the characters we didn't want to play the character anymore, is they retired and became um sellers of um quarter staffs and clubs because they're <laughs> all free to just go out and find um, pieces of wood and you can sell them for money. Yeah, like and you don't have to do even. anything to this. Like, oh, there's a stick. I break it off. Here's a quarter staff. You know, five silver pieces or whatever it was. Oh, it, it, it was kind of funny <laughs> when I did mine because one of my or oh, you could buy a ladder. <laughs> there was a book that had ten foot poles in there for thieves. Yeah, and you could buy a ladder and pull pull the the, the stringers apart, <laughs> and you had you had you know t- ten clubs. And two 10-foot poles that were worth more than the ladder was. Money. Well, it was kind of, it was kind of funny because when I mentioned, some of my friends who took this seriously ended up saying, well, shovels are only that expensive because they're the ones with the metal heads. Most shovels in medieval times were all wooden. And I'm like, look, as a player character, every time I was hit with a shovel, it was always a metal shovel, never a wooden one. Um, I think making a game all about crazy retirement, get rich schemes yeah. would be great. Yeah, that was the best one we came up with was the ladder. Turn the, turn a ladder into nine clubs and two 10-foot poles. That is perfect. Like twice as much. Or that if, if someone actually dies and be like, oh yeah, they just went, they went to the ladder. So they went to the ladder store upstate. They went to ladders. Oh uh, man. How'd you build your fortune? <laughs> got oh, into, the, got into my- the, ladder, the ladder club and 10-foot pole business. My name is Thaddeus Ladder the Third. Yes, of the Ladder Empire. <laughs> I, I made one joke where, because they have a no, they have a common hero background in D anD D, so it's like, ah, now that I'm an adventurer, sir, could you please sell me some of your finest arrows? Yeah, that would be like uh, two gold pieces. What? That's as much as like I make in a year. Well, I'm sorry, but the book says I have to sell you this to this price now that you're a PC. <laughs> Yep. There's a great, uh, very, very old Order of the Stick uh, comic, which was the town getting prepared, knowing that the adventurers at the Order of the Stick were coming to town, and they all jacked up their prices. Yeah. <laughs> like they all jumped, bumped their prices by like times ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man! Well, we got way off track there uh, at the very okay. end. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> it was. Uh, we should Chris- do like an economics one. I w- I'm adding that to the sheets as soon as we're done with this call. The it- economics of your game world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's actually not a bad topic to discuss because there's no. there's super, super duper crunchy ones. And then there's ones where it's like, oh, you've got what you need. 
then mm-hmm. there's ones that do like abstract things like resource levels and yeah. you make rolls to, to see if whether or not you have the money on hand. I like resource or, levels. Resource red, levels are cool. Or red markets where every time you do something, you have to knock off like some provisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Yeah. For another half hour. Here we go. New episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. Chris, no preparation. Thank you. thank you for coming and talking Glad with I us. did. Thanks, Chris. And uh, thank you for writing this down on your schedule and staying organized with us as we you kept it on your schedule. You you kept it on your schedule better than I did. Well, that, <laughs> I thought true. we were recording an hour earlier. And just corrected me. I wasn't trying to like be sarcastic with that. I was just trying to make a joke about our topic for today. I'm not no, accusing you. That's okay. <laughs> I totally boned it. I was like, I would have come back. You know, I would have come on and and sent an email out to people and been like sitting around. Where's everybody? Yeah, we we got off. <laughs> Luckily, we said the call. You said I'll see you in 15 minutes. I'm like, wait, wait, no, no in an hour and 15, no. Craig. <laughs> You need to get more organized. Oh. <laughs> she didn't say that, but no. it was implied. It was implied heavily. <laughs> yeah. Chris, where can we find you and what do you have to plug? Okay. Uh, if you go, if you look up chow, C-H-A-L-L at itch.io, you'll see my games. Uh, right now there's Orboboros, there's Near Hollow Gods, and there's also um, a new one called Crow Shadow, which I'm doing with World of Wildebeer. Uh, and then um, basically beyond that, you can buy some of my stuff from Pendlehaven, such as Vanguard and Siphon Sword. Awesome. You can find me at wannabegames.com or at DriveThruRPG or H under the same name. You can also find me at, at Joska on Twitter. And you can find my crap at <laughs> DriveThruRPG.com. Uh, my website is NerdBurgerGames.com and I am at NerdBurgerCraig on Twitter. Thank you to our opening and closing theme song, which is called Avil. It's by Steph Sachs and it was licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you, Steph Sachs. And thank all of you for listening. And we'll see you back here next time. Bye. Bye-bye.